Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. Don't limit God. He wants you to have an abundant life. God isn't angry at us anymore. The war is over. And I know that there's many of you who love God, but I tell you, there's a better way to pray. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. This is now in the beginning of my third week of teaching on a subject that I've entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? That's a quote from Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, where God asked Adam, Who told you that you were naked? And what happened was when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's descriptive of your conscience. And this is when a conscience came alive in Adam and Eve, and they immediately felt shame, and they ran from God and instead of towards God. And ever since then, every one of us who'd have ever been born on this earth have a conscience that gives us a knowledge of right and wrong, an intuitive knowledge, and it condemns us or either gives us an excuse to be able to do the things that we're doing, and it serves a purpose, but it, this condemnation and guilt is not meant to be a way of living. It's meant to bring you to the end of yourself so that you could receive salvation and then go on beyond that. So we've, we've spent two weeks talking about that. That was a very quick summary of some of these things. Let me just mention quickly before I go any further that, of course, we are not in our normal set today. We are moving from Colorado Springs up to Woodland Park. My set has been disassembled and reassembled. We're in the process of putting all the lighting and all of the things necessary for television into place. And so I am in the lodge at our new facility in Woodland Park and uh, this is just a temporary situation. Got the fire crackling over my shoulder. It's a very nice uh, setting, but we will have our setback uh, fairly soon. And so anyway, now I'm into my third week of teaching on who told you that you were naked. And what we're doing now is talking about how do you cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And yesterday I was dealing in Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 1 through... Six, we were reading about all of the pieces of furniture in the temple. They were all symbolic of things about how you have to offer incense, which was the prayers of the saints, the showbread, the candlestick, all of these kind of things. But when we got down to the cherubims that overshadowed the mercy seat, and again, I wish I had time to put all of this in its perspective. I know that not every person watches every day, but I'm just not going to take time to go back through all of this. These cherubims were mighty warrior angels that guarded the presence of God from anybody entering God's presence that had any sin or any defilement in their life. There was only one person allowed into the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. Once a year, he had to have an offering for himself and for the sins of other people. And if he hadn't done everything just right, God would strike him dead. That's what those cherubims were there for. But look at this in Hebrews chapter 9. It says in verse 5, And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. 
The reason that the New Testament saint couldn't talk about the cherubs and relate that to something in our relationship to God today is because today the way unto God has now been made clear. We don't have a veil separating us. The veil was Jesus' body. It's been broken for us. The veil of the temple was was uh, torn in two, and we now can enter boldly into the presence of God. And if an angel was to try and stop us, we could rebuke him. Man, that's awesome. You know, let me go back. This is what I ended yesterday's broadcast with. I was reading from Isaiah chapter 54, and of course this follows the famous chapter 53 where it talks about Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The 53rd chapter is talking about the atonement that Jesus purchased for us. The 54th chapter are the benefits that come from that. It talks about us forgetting the shame of our widowhood, that the barren woman is going to be much more fruitful and have more children than the married wife all spiritual things, talking about those of us who recognize our complete inability to do things on our own will be more productive than the people who have all of these great talents and abilities because we will trust in God and through Him we will succeed more than people who are trusting in themselves. It gives all of these great things. And this is what I ended with yesterday. In verse 9 it says, This is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. This is a great promise. God will never be angry at us. This is those of us who have received Jesus and the atonement of Jesus. Notice chapter 54 follows chapter 53. This is after you accept the atonement that Jesus made for us. This is only for those of us who have been born again. People that don't know Jesus, they should be fearful. They should be afraid of all of these things. But for those of us who've made Jesus our Lord, He is promising that I will not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. And yet I have been in church, I couldn't even tell you how many times that somebody gets up and gives a testimony that God wanted me to do this, I didn't want to do it. I resisted, and God just made me so miserable. God convicted me. God made me feel so unworthy, and I just had to go ahead and do this because I was so miserable. That is not what this is saying. This is saying God's not going to be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. Now, there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit will show you that, you know, He wants you to do this and you aren't doing it, but it's always corrective. It's always for your own benefit. It is never punitive. That is an amazing statement, and you may not fully grasp what I'm saying. You might have to think about this for a moment, but this is contrary to what the church as a whole is preaching today. Most people teach that the Holy Spirit is the one who just won't let them go and made their life miserable. That's not what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. He's called the comforter, not the afflictor, not the accuser, not the condemner. He's the one that builds us up. We have blamed the Holy Spirit for our guilt, for our shame, for our condemnation, and it is not true. God is not doing that to you. Man, there's so much I'd love to say about that. But He will not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. And then it says, For the mountains shall depart, 
AND THE HILLS BE REMOVED. BUT MY KINDNESS SHALL NOT DEPART FROM THEE, NEITHER SHALL THE COVENANT OF MY PEACE BE REMOVED, SAITH THE LORD THAT HATH MERCY ON THEE. ALL OF THESE THINGS ARE BENEFITS OF OUR BORN-AGAIN EXPERIENCE WITH JESUS. AND PART OF THAT IS THAT HE WOULD NEVER REMOVE HIS COVENANT OF PEACE FROM US. THE MOUNTAINS AND THE HILLS ARE GOING TO BE GONE. THEY WILL BE DISSIPATED BEFORE GOD'S FAITHFULNESS EVER STOPS. WELL, I LIVE IN THE MOUNTAINS. I CAN LOOK OUT THESE WINDOWS. I CAN GUARANTEE YOU THAT PIKE'S PEAK IS STILL HERE. THE MOUNTAINS ARE STILL HERE. AS LONG AS THE MOUNTAINS AND THE HILLS ARE HERE, THEN I CAN GUARANTEE YOU THAT GOD IS NOT THE ONE WHO IS REBUKING YOU. He's not, re HE'S NOT WROTH WITH YOU. HE'S NOT ANGRY AT YOU. GOD HAS FORGIVEN YOU OF ALL OF YOUR SIN, AND YOU NEED TO QUIT LETTING THIS SENSE OF UNWORTHINESS AND GUILT YOU NEED TO QUIT ATTRIBUTING THAT TO GOD AND BEARING IT ABOUT AS IF YOU DESERVED IT AND THAT THIS IS SOMETHING GOOD THAT YOU NEED TO DO. IF YOU'VE BEEN BORN AGAIN, ALL OF YOUR GUILT, ALL OF YOUR SHAME HAS BEEN PLACED UPON JESUS AND YOU SHOULD BE ABLE TO ENTER BOLDLY INTO THE VERY HOLY OF HOLIES WITHOUT FEAR OF THESE CHERUBIMS STOPPING YOU. AND SO IT GOES ON TO SAY, HEBREWS CHAPTER 9, VERSE 6, NOW WHEN THESE THINGS WERE THUS ORDAINED, THE PRIEST WENT ALWAYS INTO THE FIRST TABERNACLE, ACCOMPLISHING THE SERVICE OF GOD, BUT INTO THE SECOND WENT THE HIGH PRIEST ALONE, ONCE EVERY YEAR, NOT WITHOUT BLOOD, WHICH HE OFFERED FOR HIMSELF AND FOR THE HEIRS OF HIS PEOPLE, THE HOLY GHOST, THIS SIGNIFYING THAT THE WAY INTO THE HOLIEST OF ALL WAS NOT YET MADE MANIFEST WHILE AS THE FIRST TABERNACLE WAS YET STANDING. DID YOU KNOW THAT THESE THINGS ABOUT THE TABERNACLE, THE OLD TESTAMENT TEMPLE, THEY WEREN'T JUST RELIGIOUS LAWS THAT HAD NO MEANING. EVERY SINGLE THING HAD A PURPOSE, AND ONE OF THE THINGS THAT WAS VERY CLEARLY STATED IN THE OLD TESTAMENT TABERNACLE AND IN THE uh, TEMPLE WAS THAT THERE WAS A SEPARATION BETWEEN GOD AND MAN BECAUSE of, OF SIN. THERE WAS THIS VEIL THAT SEPARATED THE VERY PRESENCE OF GOD FROM EVERYTHING ELSE. AND PEOPLE JUST COULD NOT ENTER INTO THE PRESENCE OF GOD. IN ISAIAH CHAPTER 59, THE SCRIPTURE SAYS THAT uh, MY HAND IS NOT SHORT THAT IT CANNOT SAVE, NOR MY EAR HEAVY THAT IT CANNOT HEAR, BUT YOUR INIQUITIES HAVE SEPARATED BETWEEN YOU AND YOUR GOD. THERE WAS A SEPARATION FROM GOD AND MAN BECAUSE OF SIN, AND THE OLD TESTAMENT TEMPLE PICTURED THAT BY HAVING THIS VEIL THERE, AND NOBODY COULD ENTER INTO THE PRESENCE OF GOD. AND THEN IN VERSE 9 IT SAYS, WHICH WAS A FIGURE FOR THE TIME THEN PRESENT, NOT THE TIME THAT WE LIVE IN, BUT THE TIME of, OF THE OLD TESTAMENT BEFORE JESUS CAME AND OFFERED HIMSELF. IT SAYS IT WAS FOR THE TIME THEN PRESENT IN WHICH WERE OFFERED BOTH GIFTS AND SACRIFICES THAT COULD NOT MAKE HIM THAT DID THE SERVICE PERFECT AS PERTAINING TO THE CONSCIENCE. THIS IS WHAT I'VE BEEN TALKING ABOUT FOR OVER TWO WEEKS NOW IS THAT OUR CONSCIENCE BECAME DEFILED. OUR CONSCIENCE BEGAN TO CONDEMN US. AND THERE WAS A REASON FOR THAT. IT SERVES A PURPOSE. BUT, MAN, FOR THE NEW TESTAMENT BELIEVER, WE DO NOT HAVE TO LIVE WITH A SIN CONSCIENCE, we, WITH A CONSCIENCE THAT IS CONDEMNING US AND MAKING US FEEL SHAME AND INFERIOR BEFORE GOD. MAN, THOSE ARE TREMENDOUS STATEMENTS. IN VERSE 10 IT SAYS, WHICH STOOD ONLY IN MEATS AND DRINKS. ALL OF THESE uh, ACTS THAT THEY DID, IT STOOD ONLY IN MEATS AND DRINKS AND DIVERS WASHINGS AND CARNAL ORDINANCES IMPOSED ON THEM UNTIL THE TIME OF REFORMATION. THIS IS TALKING ABOUT WHEN JESUS CAME AND TRULY REDEEMED US FROM OUR SINS AND THERE WAS GOING TO BE A COMPLETE REFORMATION FROM THE OLD COVENANT INTO THE NEW. 
YOU KNOW, IN CHURCH HISTORY, WE TALK ABOUT THE REFORMATION TAKING PLACE IN THE 1500s WHEN MARTIN LUTHER AND JOHN CALVIN AND SOME OTHERS AND STUFF, AND THEY CAME OUT WITH THIS REVELATION OF GRACE, AND WE, we CALL THAT THE REFORMATION. BUT TECHNICALLY, THE REFORMATION TOOK PLACE IN THE NEW TESTAMENT BACK IN THE FIRST CENTURY WHEN JESUS DIED FOR OUR SINS, ROSE FROM THE DEAD, AND DELIVERED US FROM THE OLD TESTAMENT LAW. AND THE FIRST CENTURY CHURCH HAD A REFORMATION, AND THEY HAD A DIFFERENT WAY OF RELATING TO GOD, AND THEY WERE NO LONGER UNDER THE OLD TESTAMENT LAW. BUT SADLY, OVER THE YEARS, SOMEHOW that THE CHURCH AS A WHOLE, I'M SURE THERE WERE ALWAYS INDIVIDUALS THAT RECOGNIZED THE TRUTH AND LIVED IN IT, BUT AS A WHOLE, THE CHURCH WENT BACK INTO THE DARK AGES. IT WAS LIVING UNDER THE OLD TESTAMENT LAW, AND IT WASN'T UNTIL MARTIN LUTHER NAILED HIS THESIS ON THE CHURCH DOOR AND THE REFORMATION BEGAN THAT THAT REFORMATION BEGAN TO MAKE MANIFEST AND, and IMPACT THE CHURCH. AND SO IT ACTUALLY TOOK PLACE IN THE FIRST CENTURY, BUT WE, we SEE A uh, RELEASING OF WHAT JESUS DID in the, IN THE 16TH CENTURY WHEN THE CHURCH CAME INTO THAT. AND TODAY, WE STILL NEED A REFORMATION BECAUSE THERE'S SO MUCH OF THE CHURCH THAT IS LIVING UNDER THE OLD TESTAMENT LAW AND TRYING TO APPEASE AN ANGRY GOD NOT RECOGNIZING THAT JESUS HAS ALREADY DONE IT. AND SO IT GOES ON TO SAY IN VERSE uh, 11, BUT CHRIST BEING COME A HIGH PRIEST OF GOOD THINGS TO COME BY A GREATER AND MORE PERFECT TABERNACLE, NOT MADE WITH HANDS, THAT IS TO SAY, NOT OF THIS BUILDING. IN OTHER WORDS, THIS IS TALKING ABOUT THAT THE OLD TESTAMENT TABERNACLE AND THEN THE TEMPLE UNDER SOLOMON, THOSE WERE PICTURES OF SOMETHING THAT WAS A REALITY IN HEAVEN, AND IT WAS A PHYSICAL, EARTHLY PICTURE OF THINGS THAT DO EXIST IN HEAVEN. AND JESUS, HE DIDN'T ENTER INTO THE PHYSICAL TEMPLE AND SPLIT THE VEIL AND MAKE THE ATONEMENT. HE ENTERED INTO HEAVEN ITSELF AND DEALT WITH THE REAL THINGS OF WHICH THESE EARTHLY THINGS IN THE TEMPLE WERE A, a PICTURE AND A SHADOW OF. SO IN VERSE 11 AGAIN, BUT CHRIST BEING COME A HIGH PRIEST OF GOOD THINGS BY A GREATER AND MORE PERFECT TABERNACLE, NOT MADE WITH HANDS, THAT IS TO SAY, NOT OF THIS BUILDING, NEITHER BY THE BLOOD OF GOATS AND CALVES, BUT BY HIS OWN BLOOD HE ENTERED IN ONCE INTO THE HOLY PLACE, HAVING OBTAINED ETERNAL REDEMPTION FOR US. Do YOU KNOW, IN EPHESIANS CHAPTER 1 AND ALSO COLOSSIANS CHAPTER 1, BOTH OF THOSE, IT HAS AN IDENTICAL PASSAGE OF SCRIPTURE IN BOTH OF THOSE PLACES. IT SAYS WE HAVE uh, REDEMPTION. THAT IS THE FORGIVENESS OF OUR SINS. SO EPHESIANS 1, COLOSSIANS 1, DEFINE WHAT REDEMPTION MEANS, AND IT IS THE FORGIVENESS OF OUR SINS. SO THIS SAYS HAVING OBTAINED ETERNAL REDEMPTION, OR ETERNAL FORGIVENESS OF OUR SINS FOR US. AGAIN, THIS IS CONTRASTING THE WAY THINGS WERE DONE UNDER THE OLD COVENANT WITH THE WAY THINGS ARE DONE UNDER THE NEW COVENANT. UNDER THE OLD COVENANT, EVERY TIME A PERSON SINNED, THEY HAD TO BRING AN ANIMAL SACRIFICE. THIS IS BECAUSE ROMANS CHAPTER 6, VERSE 23, SAYS THE WAGES OF SIN IS DEATH. IN THE uh, BOOK OF GENESIS, CHAPTER 2, I BELIEVE IT'S AROUND VERSES 16 OR 17, THE LORD TOLD ADAM NOT TO EAT OF THE TREE BECAUSE IN THE DAY THAT HE ATE THEREOF, HE WOULD SURELY DIE. THE WAGES OF SIN IS DEATH. BUT BECAUSE OF THE MERCY AND THE GRACE OF GOD, HE ALLOWED US UNDER THE OLD COVENANT TO TAKE AN ANIMAL AND KILL THE ANIMAL, AND THAT ANIMAL DIED FOR OUR SINS. GOD ALLOWED A SUBSTITUTE, BUT THE OLD TESTAMENT SACRIFICES COULDN'T REALLY WORK. THEY WERE ONLY SYMBOLIC. 
They weren't the real deal. And we needed a real sacrifice. We either had to shed our blood and we had to die because of our sins, or God gave us Jesus as the Lamb of God who took our place and His blood purged us. But in the Old Testament, they had, every time you sinned, you had to offer an animal sacrifice, and then the priest had to go in one time a year and offer sacrifices for all of the people, for all of the things that they had missed and failed to confess and failed to have brought an offering for. So there was just constant shedding of blood in the Old Testament. Every time you sinned, you had to go get that sin under the blood. And did you know, sad to say, that the average Christian today has this same mentality. They think that every time they sin, it's a new transgression against God, and they've got to get that sin confessed and under the blood. I know many of you are saying, well, isn't that true? No. This is contrasting the way it was done under the law with the way it's done under the New Testament, and it says that uh, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once, the emphasis is on once, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, eternal forgiveness of sins. You aren't forgiven of sin just until the next time you sin, and then you got to get that confessed and under the blood, and then you're good until the next time you sin, and then you got to get that confessed. That is not true. Jesus paid for all of your sin. Actually, he paid for our sin, singular, not sins, plural. Some people think, well, boy, you are splitting hairs. There's a difference. Sin is referring to your sin nature, the sinful nature that's inside of man. And Jesus died for that sinful nature. It was our nature that made us commit the actions of sin. But it was our sin nature that was the problem, and Jesus paid for all of the sin nature of every person who has ever lived or ever will live. Sin has been taken care of, and the sins that came as a result of our sinful nature have all been atoned for, past, present, and even future sins. And I know somebody says, how can God forgive a sin before I commit it? Well, you better pray that he can, because when Jesus died for your sins nearly 2,000 years ago, everybody's sins who's alive today were all future sins. If Jesus can't forgive sins before you commit it, well, then you and I couldn't be saved because Jesus died 2,000 years ago for the sin of the world. Jesus paid for all of our sin. He entered in once. The emphasis is on once. In the Old Covenant, it was many times. There was just constant shedding of blood. But in the New Testament, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You know, the reason I'm sharing all of this is to once again purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How do you get free? Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John chapter 15, he says, you are clean through the words that I have spoken unto you. These truths that I'm sharing, if you will receive it, it will purge your conscience. It will get to where your conscience will still recognize right from wrong. And if you do something wrong, there is benefit to saying, I don't need to do that again. I'm giving place to the devil. I'm not glorifying God. And so stop it and turn from it. There's benefit to that. But as far as guilt and condemnation, 
You do not have to bear about a sense of unworthiness and constant displeasure from God. That's not God saying it to you. He's not the one telling you that you're naked. He's not the one telling you that you're a sinner. He's not the one that's pointing out all of these things wrong in you. That is your conscience doing that, and you need to purge your conscience. It goes on to say in verse 13, it says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats, this time out under the old covenant, and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Man, that is awesome. That is awesome. If you could understand this, the blood of Jesus purges your conscience from dead works. You know, let me go back here to Isaiah chapter 53, and I've already said this, but this is all prophetic about Jesus, and it's saying that by His stripes we were healed. He bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. But look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 53, and in verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talked about it pleased the Father to bruise, to crush, to destroy his own son. You know, that is hard to understand. He loved his son. It didn't please him in the sense that he was pleased to see Jesus suffer, but God the Father and Jesus were both pleased to make this sacrifice because they loved you and me so much. They wanted relationship with us, and the wages of sin was death. They didn't want us to die, so... JESUS DIED IN OUR PLACE. IT PLEASED THE FATHER TO BRUISE HIM. HE HATH PUT HIM TO GRIEF. WHEN THOU SHALT MAKE HIS SOUL AN OFFERING FOR SIN, HE SHALL SEE HIS SEED. HE SHALL PROLONG HIS DAYS, AND THE PLEASURE OF THE LORD SHALL PROSPER IN HIS HAND. HE SHALL SEE OF THE TRAVAIL OF HIS SOUL AND SHALL BE SATISFIED. YOU KNOW, THIS IS POWERFUL. AGAIN, IT'S TALKING ABOUT THE OLD TESTAMENT, AND IN THE OLD TESTAMENT, WHEN YOU SINNED, YOU BROUGHT AN ANIMAL, A LAMB, BEFORE THE PRIEST. AND THE PRIEST HAD TO INSPECT THE ANIMAL TO MAKE SURE THAT THE ANIMAL WAS WITHOUT BLEMISH BECAUSE IT WAS A SYMBOL, A PICTURE OF JESUS, AND JESUS WAS SINLESS, AND HE WAS THE PERFECT SACRIFICE. AND SO YOU COULDN'T OFFER A DISEASED OR A uh, DEFORMED ANIMAL. YOU HAD TO HAVE A PERFECT ANIMAL. AND WHEN YOU CAME BEFORE THE PRIEST AND YOU OFFERED THIS SACRIFICE, THE PRIEST WOULD INSPECT THE SACRIFICE. THE VERY FACT THAT YOU WERE BRINGING THIS ANIMAL SHOWED THAT YOU WERE GUILTY. YOU WOULDN'T KILL THIS ANIMAL IF YOU HADN'T SINNED. IT WAS THIS ANIMAL THAT WAS BEING USED AS A SUBSTITUTE FOR YOU. SO YOU WERE MAKING AN ADMISSION THAT I HAVE SINNED, AND YET THE PRIEST DIDN'T EXAMINE YOU. HAVE YOU REPENTED? HAVE YOU DONE THIS? HAVE YOU DONE THIS? NO, HE DIDN'T EXAMINE YOU. HE EXAMINED THE SACRIFICE. LIKEWISE, GOD THE FATHER ISN'T LOOKING AT YOU. IT'S NOT BASED ON YOUR GOODNESS AND YOUR HOLINESS. WE NOW HAVE A SACRIFICE, JESUS, THE LAMB OF GOD THAT TAKES AWAY THE SINS OF THE WORLD. AND GOD THE FATHER LOOKS AT JESUS, AND WHEN HE SEES THE TRAVAIL OF HIS SOUL, HE WILL BE SATISFIED. YOU DON'T HAVE TO TRAVAIL. YOU DON'T HAVE TO GO ABOUT LIVING AN UNWORTHY AND UNGODLY MENTALITY THAT I'M JUST SO, SO UNGODLY. HOW COULD GOD HAVE ANYTHING TO DO WITH ME? GOD PUT YOUR SIN, MY SIN, UPON JESUS, AND WE ARE NOW IN RIGHT STANDING WITH GOD THROUGH WHAT JESUS DID. THANKS TO THE FRIENDS AND PARTNERS OF ANDREW WOMACK MINISTRIES, Karis BIBLE COLLEGE IS RAISING UP MORE DISCIPLES THAN EVER BEFORE ON THE SANCTUARY PROPERTY. 
But what if you can't make it to Colorado? Being a stay-at-home mom with three kids, it would not be possible for me to pack up and move to Colorado. I knew God wanted me to go to Bible college. I made up my mind and said to God, I said, I know I'm going, whether it's Colorado or wherever. Is there an option for you? With over 70 campus locations around the world, there is a place for you to begin your journey. If that seed's there and you've got something close to you like we do here, you've got to go for it. More than likely, God's already speaking to you about going to Karis Bible College. You just need to make the step. You will never, ever regret going to an extension school. It will change your life forever. Join the Karis community of like-minded believers by discovering a campus location near you at karisbiblecollege.org. We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Gospel Truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. Let me mention once again that I've got a brand new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? This is actually a study in the conscience. It wasn't God that told Adam he was naked. It wasn't the devil. It was his conscience, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I not only have the book, but I have CDs, and I also have DVDs that were taken from our television program. And I tell you, this teaching would really, really help you to have a confidence and an assurance and a boldness with God. So listen to our announcer as he gives you information how you can receive this product. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. This is the last day we'll be offering this teaching, so be sure to respond today. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at awmi.net. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of December, Andrew will be hosting a special holiday production titled The Heart of Christmas at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. The Heart of Christmas is an unforgettable mix of modern-day and biblical stories with heartwarming, familiar seasonal songs and American traditions that represent the true meaning of the season. In January, to welcome in the new year, Andrew will be in Glendale, Arizona for the annual Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference. And in February, he'll be in Orlando and Oakland, Florida. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. 
I want to let you know that we are doing what we call a live Bible study. Every Tuesday night at 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, we are broadcasting from our facilities here in Woodland Park, and we are just sharing the Word. I teach for about 25 to 30 minutes, and it's actually live. You can text in your questions. You can call and ask for prayer. You can get product. But we will answer as many of your questions as we can, about 25, 30 minutes worth of teaching and maybe 25 minutes worth of answering questions. It's just a great interactive thing every Tuesday night, 6 o'clock p.m. Mountain Standard Time.